Welcome back to another edition of the Edge Podcast. Publisher Brendan Slaughter here with Beaver's Edge writer and KGO radio host TJ Matthewson here for the Edge Podcast. We're coming to you following Oregon State's loss to Washington. We'll be breaking down that game and obviously getting into uh, this Saturday's matchup against the Cal Bears as the Beavers will be looking to uh, get back on their on the right track and back to their winning ways again. Thanks for joining us here on the Edge Podcast, Beaver's Edge publisher. Joined by Beaver's Edge writer and radio host, TJ Matthewson. TJ, what's going on, man? How are you? Not much. You, it sounded like you had a, a bit more of an adventurous uh, Friday and weekend than I did uh, staying down here in Corvallis. You uh, had a fun drive up in the Atmospheric River yep. um, and then a trip to Husky Stadium in Gale Force Winds. Very much. That so. was blowing the football all over the place. And Beavers didn't really like that either, offense yeah. looking. I don't know where it went. It, it was it yeah. was uh, it was non-existent there on Friday, and it yeah. was sort of an interesting reaction to sort of deal with after the game um, yeah. from from Beaver fans. Some some not so angry, some pretty pissed off on how the offense performed. Right. And um, and I guess another thing that was surprising, I thought the defense was like fine, but I, I noticed PFF didn't really grade them that well when I was speaking yeah. on the uh, on the grade. Yeah. So I thought that was that was very interesting, but overall, really an interesting and. And, and disappointing game for, for Beaver Nation. A game they, you know, had and probably could have won if they had better quarterback play and better right. execution all around, and they just didn't. Right. And I think, you know, you, both ways there, TJ. I think I think stats, you know, always tell the story, and then I think analytics back up the stats and tell you what you necessarily can't see with your eyes. And, you know, analytically, you know, overall, TJ, I think it was one of Oregon State's, you know, lowest performing scores just across the board um, this season. And, um, you know, you go, you mentioned the quarterback play um, of all eligible offensive graded players, Ben Gorbinson finished last. So I've, I've, you know, been covering Oregon state with, with the, you know, analytical metrics for several years now, and I don't think I've ever seen their quarterback finish last. So, you know, I, I think, you know, the, the box score will tell you there were some issues with the passing game. And, you know, we talked to Jonathan post game and, you know, I've obviously written about it in our takeaways and, and our uh, uh, breakdown video live from Husky Stadium. But I think this one really is that simple, TJ, is that, you know, you go back and, and look, the quarterback, the, the lack of quarterback play combined with those decisions from Jonathan Smith to not kick field goals or just simply not converting. I, I don't necessarily knock the choice not uh, to kick field goals. I knock the choice of not converting twice. So right. when you put those two things together, I, I mean, I, I don't think it would have really mattered. I mean, Jonathan said it best. The defense held Washington 24 points. You would think that would be enough to keep you right firmly in the mix. But when right. you can't hit an open receiver, how many? One, two, three. I mean, I, I counted at least three open receivers who may still be running TJ. <laughs> and, right. Um, and then, you know, obviously, um, you know, you talk about the decision to leave points on the board and how uh, Washington head coach Kalen DeBoer said post game, if it had been 21 zero, he didn't know if they would have had the, the, the momentum in the juice or even 13 zero or, you know, 10 zero. But the fact that it was a one score game after Oregon state had the ball three times in Washington territory inside the red zone, that's it. That's it. I don't hate the decisions like you. I don't. Yeah. I, I, you know, I'm, if, if it's like a fourth down and one or two, really, I'm in all levels of football really pro going for it. I, I, I think, especially when you have a of, Jack Coletto. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, you know, you can, it, it's not just the fact of like going for it. Like, and you mentioned execution. 
That right. first one, it shouldn't have even been a fourth down. They had the first down on the third down run, and Jack Cleto slipped and fell down on his face. Yep. Couldn't yep. block the guy in the hole. So then uh, Martinez gets stuffed right before the first down marker, and then they run Coletto again, and they right. and UW walls it off completely. That's not an issue of not taking the points. That's an issue of not taking the, the yards that were literally there, but your guys could, didn't execute the ball. That like that's not like oh Jonathan like is just throwing points away by going for right. fourth down. I agree. No, they they called. You would imagine saying oh we a on third down blocked the run well enough to get the first down. Like the the first down is there. And then if not, Jack Little running on fourth down and one. You're, You're going to get chances. it, right? I, I think yeah. you would get it. I think you would take those chances instead of kicking the field goal. Well, you know, the field goal kicking for Oregon State this year has been shaky. Uh, Everett was back. The weather Everett went, was back. Went, yeah, he was back. But even so, I mean, he hasn't been uh, 100%. Right. And I believe for that first one, at least, they would have been kicking into the wind. Yes, which correct. is uh, a tricky proposition. The second one, I'm not sure what this, the what the goal of that play on the second yeah, one was. I, have, I remember, yeah. I so I, I I like I likened it on the post game show. I likened it to uh, the you know sort of the tight end sweep that the Seahawks love to run. They ran it. If you I don't know how many Seahawks fans listen to this, but if you watch the game against the Cardinals on Sunday, they ran yeah. that same play. Um, uh, same play either with a tight end or a running back. They run it about six, seven times. They run it a bunch of different ways. Right. But this, the concept is the same. Where the quarterback will roll out, and then there will be a tight end or a running back running with him on a bootleg. Yep. There's one edge defender usually that is unblocked, and his choice is either to go with the with the back or the tight end or come get the quarterback, and the quarterback reads it based off of that. Right. So with that second one, it was a running back, right? I think it was. I think it was Jam. It yeah, was and Jam I think it was. And I think it was what fourth and five, fourth and six. No, it was like, like two. Was it? Was it? Was it less than that? It I was, it was two, a little bit I long. Think. Yeah, I thought it was a little three bit yards. It was not a long yeah. one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the 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 again, the read is usually on that play. I could be wrong. Maybe you know, Jonathan pops on here and and tells me that's not what the read was. But as many times as I've seen this play. Once the linebacker goes with the running back running up the field, the quarterback is supposed to take off and get the first down. And right. instead of doing that, Ben tried to loft it over the top and put it, drop it in the bucket of Jam Griffin, and they couldn't do that while he was being guarded, you know, tightly one-on-one. Right. And that's, again, execution. I When I watch that play, I'm like, that doesn't look right from how I've seen this play executed and run multiple times. Uh, you're right. It was a fourth. That doesn't look it right. Was a, it was a fourth and three, and I believe it was actually uh, it was Martinez uh, in the flat right. there on that play. Right. Okay. Regardless, right? It doesn't look right. It, it doesn't. No, agreed. And, and agreed. When you come out of that, you're like, what? What kind of play was? This? What? What kind right. of play was that? That didn't like feel like that's how that was supposed to be run. And I don't right. know if that was a, a Ben mistake. I don't know if that was his only option the whole time. I, he probably could have ran right. for the first down. I mean, he's right. like 6'3", 215, and right. runs pretty fast. He's, well, and he's it was, a fast dude. And, you know, right? the, why not? And, and, well, and that, and I think the other thing is, like like you said, the, the play had no chance. Like, it no. wasn't, like, not, the not pass passing. wasn't, yeah, the pass wasn't, I mean, they threw it, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't anywhere close. And like you said, I think, I don't know, you know, like I said, I'm I'm kind of with you. 
as far as always, and, and I don't mind Jonathan Smith being aggressive, especially on the first one. The second one, I think you can have a little bit more of a debate, and I see both sides of the argument. You know, the the I believe you, like, uh, we just looked at it. You're on, like, the Washington 15. So if you wanted to kick into the wind, you know, it would have been about a, what, 25, 30-yard field goal? I was going to say, that second, one that second one, I think, would have been, what, 32? Because you Something add 17 like yards, right? Yeah. Seven, and so, that would have been 32 with the wind, I think, on that yeah, second one. Because so, it was the second quarter, you flip sides. Yeah, so do you take, you know, like I said, I see the argument for that, for sure. But I guess on that sequence, um, you know, the, the issue that I do have with, with that play call and the way it was executed, TJ, is that – um, not like you don't want to not put Ben into winnable situations and put him in situations. I don't know if where Ben is as a passer right now, I trust him to make that play on fourth down in a hostile environment. Am I being too critical of him? Or like, because Ben, in just working at the score, what throw did did Ben make? Because we talked about it last week, TJ. You're like Washington is going to make Ben beat them, right? And what and that's throw, what they did. What throw on Friday did Ben make that we're looking at now? Going, yeah, that was a good throw. I can't. I None. can't think of one because you know the ones that stick in my mind. I mean, yeah, yeah that so, one, the wheel route for Jam, yep. wide open. Uh, the deep ball to Anthony Gould yep. was open. Right, Penix didn't have a problem throwing no. in the win. He sure didn't. didn't. He didn't. His, you know, he attempted a lot of passes and yep. wasn't, uh, wa- didn't wasn't very efficient to be honest. I think fifty two attempts for under three hundred yards, but his ball was cutting right through the win, no problem. Right, um, right. And and Ben's wasn't right. It was it was getting pushed around a little bit, and it was it was it was affected, and they really didn't adjust on that. So no, you're right. I mean, I can't I can't pick a throw really. Um, where, right. I, where I was and, like, where I was like, wow! I this was I put it quite frankly, this was the game where the quarterback deficiency between two teams, the quarterback like gap in talent between yeah. two teams, could not have been more prominent. I mean, it was night, it was night and day for teams yeah. with probably about equal talent on their rosters. I mean, he right. throws stars out. I I'm think talking so. about I'm talking about 2022 production. The, right, the core two quarterbacks, the the gap between those two, yeah. couldn't have been bigger. Right. And I, and I think that underscores the problem, you know, and it's, uh, again, I'm not saying this to, to, you know, jump on and pile on Ben, you know, I still think he's, he's a young guy. He's got, you know, plenty of, you know, I, I think I've said this over and over again, you know, he could still prove all of us wrong, but I think we, we saw, you know, and we cautioned against this last week, TJ, we're like, is it kind of looking through an optimistic beaver glass that he was three and zero as a starter? Maybe you got away with the game in Stanford. Maybe, well, not maybe. Colorado's horrible. And then Washington State, the Cougars didn't play very well that game. So no. when you kind of peel that back, I, I just, you know, I think, and we talked about it with Jonathan, you know, post game. I think that game just, you know, if it wasn't a freight train slamming you in the face before, it was now. Oregon State's quarterback play stinks. And, it does. You know, and that's what has to get better for Oregon State to not, and I know people are saying, you know, bounce back against Cal, bounce back against Arizona State, and have a shot against Oregon. TJ, all three of them are going to be competitive games if Oregon State doesn't get better production from that quarterback spot, regardless how good Damian Martinez is. And like I said, we got to talk about the running game because that was the best part of Friday yeah. night. But, you know, just to kind of put that point on the quarterback, you know, for those asking, mom continues to be the word on Chance Nolan. We know nothing. We're told nothing. 
Um, you know, Jonathan said on Monday that there was no update. Uh, we know Chance Nolan didn't travel, didn't make the trip up to Seattle. So that tells me he was not anywhere close to playing in that game. TJ, do we see him again this year? I would think so, right? I think you. I think uh, you I mean, have to ask the question. Are kind of fickle. I think you have to ask the fickle. question. Yeah. 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 Man, well, if he doesn't play against Cal, maybe someone's going to ask eventually, yeah. right? Like, I just going to have to yeah. come up. And I have, I have a question for you, Brendan, that got brought up to me on the post game show, sure. which I think was a really interesting point. Is it an indictment on this coaching staff? You have a quarterback, former quarterback as an offensive coordinator, former quarterback as a head coach. And you see, you look across the way and you see a, a transfer quarterback in Michael Penix. And you look down the road and you see a transfer quarterback in Bo Nix. And you look farther down the, down the coastline, you see a transfer quarterback in Caleb Williams. And you look all over the country at some of these teams. I mean, Hendon Hooker at Tennessee. Right. Uh, I can just, you know, I can keep going with some of these guys. These veteran transfer quarterbacks right. have just transformed programs yep. um, and have performed exceptionally this season. And we're sitting here in year uh, five for Jonathan. Yep. And that's not the case. They haven't gotten that guy yet. And that the, the quarterback play has suffered because, A, yep outside of one year of Jake Luton have not really developed a guy under center. Yeah. Not like which, not even sort of remotely like, right. Like which gotten that know, guy that is consistently yeah. taken that next step or gotten the guy out of the transfer portal. Right. To, to come in here and be not just veteran, but to be good. Yeah. Like, I think like a legitimately good, confident veteran quarterback. Yeah. So you're, so what was the question you're saying? Is it an indictment on Smith and Lindgren? Yeah. I mean, yes and no. Uh, I, I kind of, you know, wrote about it a little bit, you know, in our post, in our takeaway story from Friday night. You know, you 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 just alluded to it. Jonathan Smith, not yards wise, but success wise, is the was the most successful quarterback, you know, in the modern era in Oregon State. I, I want to give you know Terry Baker his credit for winning the Heisman back in the day, but as far as an individual season in the modern era. Jonathan Smith took his team to, you know, a shellacking of Notre Dame, 11 and one record. He knows what it needs. You know, he, he knows Brian Lindgren to his credit, set a bunch of records at, um, Oh man, I want to say, I want to say it was FCS level, but regardless, Brian Lindgren played the position and was very successful. I would need to double check on that. I should know that off the top of my head, but regardless, like you said, had some good success as a quarterback and a player, I think there have just been some calculative misses and in a very big way. I think it's been obvious they have not been able to, you know, home grow and, you know, build someone up from, you know, bringing them in as a freshman and, you know, maturing them to where they need to be to take over. I mean, um, I don't, you know, I give them a little bit of credit for getting Jake Luton back healthy. Jake Luton was Gary Anderson recruit, period. I mean, that, yeah. that's, you know, Jake Luton was a Gary Anderson recruit. So when you look at that, you know, Tristan Jebbia, Four-star guy, maybe didn't meet expectations. Maybe the injury derailed his career. One of those what-ifs you don't really know. Chance Nolan was a four-star Juco quarterback. Hit and miss, right? Up and down play, maybe a little turnover happy at times. Outside of those two guys, you know, there just haven't been anybody really capable of, like, rising up and seizing. And maybe, you know, coming in this next year, Aiden Childs turns out to be that guy. I know, you know, Oregon State is really excited about what he can bring to the table. But still, the odds of an 18-year-old taking over your program as a true freshman, 
Doesn't happen uh, very often. One who's labeled as a project as a passer. Exactly. So I think, you know, I, I think, you know, I think there it's multifaceted. I think Jonathan Smith and Brian Lindgren do need to look at it this year. I think uh-huh. this last year, maybe TJ, they didn't seriously consider like I think it was almost like when they looked at JT Daniels was like, well, we feel really good about chance. It would just be a bonus if we got JT instead of we need to take a jump at the quarterback position. We need to go get a guy. That's right. what it, I think. That's where I think we're at right now. And now we know it was a little more complicated than just getting JT to commit to the program. It sure, sounded like sure. it might have taken a little bit of as well, as well. Which I guess you could ask the boosters as well, right? It, like, yeah. do you guys want this quarterback this badly? Um, yeah. In in that sense, um, I guess. Think about it otherwise. I mean, you you can even, Brendan, just go to a lower sense, like Jack Plummer at Cal, who we're, we're probably about to talk about, right? Yeah. He threw for over 400 yards last week. When was the last time of, of you know, Jake Luton was the last guy Jake. probably that threw over Jake. 400 Jake. yards in a game? Jake, yep. yep. Jake, Jake. Yeah, Jake Luton. Yeah, the last guy that <laughs> uh, threw for over 400 yards, right? I mean, we keep going back to him, and you're right. It's like, that's a Gary Anderson guy. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's just like, in this age where the where quarterbacks especially are as you know freely available, it seems like veteran ones. Yeah. Um, it should eventually should happen. It should. Yeah. You think. And I yeah, and I think, but it, I think it is bit- something that is holding. It is hold held back. What like this roster with good quarterback play is eight and one probably. Yeah, I think they're a one loss team with good quarterback play. I think they beat probably. USC. I think they beat Washington. Um, right. And right. And you know, then you're sitting here eight and one. They're probably. I don't know. They're probably sitting, you know, top, the, the, the college 15. football playoff bias is strong. So they'd probably be sitting about 12 right now. Yeah. Top um, 15. I mean, and that's, that's, that's the frustrating thing about it is I think that's what we've seen TJ, whether it's our members on the damn board or, you know, your callers on the, on the 1240, you know, post game show and whatnot. It's that the potential for such a better season is just slipping away with every, you know, disappointing loss. And again, I think that USC loss, and the UW loss, you know, equally, you know, kind of sting. You know, I think the Utah game is what it is, but the the two that you could tell were right there, and that was that, you know, USC and the Washington game. So right, and you know, I and to, I, oh yeah, I, I say thinking about it this way, Brendan, like you can even like kind of reflect it to like how successful the Pac-12 has been this year. The Pac-12 at the top this year, it, it, the the conference itself has not been this successful in winning games. Um, in right. When Since many years, 14, many years. 13, probably back yeah. then, like when, you know, the, the conference would comfortably stack like five really good teams at the top. Right. Well, look at the quarterbacks at the top, Cam Rising, DTR, Bo Nix, Caleb Williams, uh, and Michael Penix, yeah. right? Those are five of the best Studs. quarterbacks in the country. And, and we can think back to or as, uh, as soon ago as, uh, I don't know, maybe, 2018 2019 in the Pac-12 where you look at the top of the conference with the quarterbacks and it's like well there's like a mismanaged Justin Herbert and oh my the gosh. ghost of yeah. the ghost of Jake Browning and yeah uh who is the uh who's the Utah quarterback then I forget Ooh, the one where they scored only three points in the title in the Pac-12 title game oh good question man I um, forget his name regardless yeah, like yeah I do too that those were the that that used to be the case where those were the guys at the top of the conference oh and now like Tyler you Huntley. look Tyler, Tyler Huntley oh before Tyler Huntley oh before him oh goodness okay yeah no, no, he was actually the, good 
Okay, you have got me. There. Okay, then I, I think I've lost. I think I've lost. Regar- regardless, right? Yeah. So at, at that point where people were like trashing, it's like, well, the Pac-12 at the, right. like is just not strong enough at the quarterback position. Right. But this is, as you could argue, as good of a quarterback season as the Pac-12 has had in right. I don't know yes. how many years, right? Yeah. And Oregon State with their good, really good roster is missing out on all of that because they right. have not figured out that position. Well, and and I think that's incredible, TJ. Even if. Even if, and uh, let's just say Oregon State won that game against Washington, right? And Oregon State was, you know, a spot higher, and we put Oregon State in that context instead of Washington. You list all those quarterbacks, TJ. Which one does not fit with the others? Oregon State's. Like, it's like, you, you know, it's like right now, it's like regardless, you know, I still think Oregon State had the potential to be in the mix with all those same teams. But like you said, for those reasons, quarterback play, the Beavers are getting left out of a party this year, even though I think they've got a very opportunistic defense, an outstanding running game, and a young running back in Damian Martinez who, you know, is just growing and maturing before our eyes and is looking like the next great Oregon State run back, and even an offensive line that I think is run blocking well and pass blocking good enough. Maybe, you know, I'm being too critical on Ben and maybe the receiver's need to make more plays than they have. I think there is something to that and, you know, um, you know, those guys, but you have to guy, I think it's a combination of just the passing game in general is the problem right now. And Mm -hmm. until, you know, Oregon state gets that figured out, I think it's going to be, you know, tough sledding TJ, but the good news is Cal coming to town this weekend, they bring Uh, the worst pass defense in the pac 12. So, That's Oregon State silver lining as we'll start to positive spin this and start to look ahead to this Cal game as, you know, TJ and I could probably be critical of that Washington game for much longer than a podcast. But, um, you know, this opportunity getting back home, Oregon State, for whatever reason, I still haven't been able to put my finger on as to why, is night and day a different team at home. And they come in against a Cal team that, you know, is reeling a little bit, even though they played a little better against USC and put a little scare into them late last week. You know, they bring in, by a wide margin, TJ, the worst passing defense. They allow 300 uh-huh. yards a game, almost 20 yards more than the next closest team. I, you know, we don't know about Chance Nolan. I, you know, if I were to guess on Wednesdays we're recording this podcast, he probably won't play. But, you know, who knows, right? You know, Oregon State's, uh, you know, just we did get that one update from Jonathan Smith a week on injuries before we just get to see for ourselves uh, mm-hmm. on Saturdays. But, you know, I, I think it goes both ways, TJ. If you're Oregon State, sure, you see an opportunity to get your passing game going. But if you're Cal's defense, you're like, maybe this is an opportunity to improve our pass defense. So I think this is a game that, you know, Ben Goldbrunson's got to show something if Oregon State wants to be more than a six or seven win team this year. Uh-huh. Yeah, they they do. Um, and they're pretty stout against the run, too. I mean, top they 40 are. nationally in running. Uh, rushing defense so that'll be that'll be something to look at like the Cal program right now is just interesting mediocre it's so you know they have never had a winning record in the Pac-12 under Wilcox under Wilcox period no like period since it went to the Pac-12 since it went to the Pac-12 not had a winning conference record not once not five and four Yeah, Not even I can believe. Yeah, yeah, I believe that. I believe so it, that. It's crazy, and they gave Wilcox an extension till twenty twenty seven because yeah. he was because he turned down the Oregon job. 
which is just some yeah. you know, seeing how the du- seeing how the ducks are right now is just kind of kind of mind boggling that you would yeah. someone would turn that down um, yeah. for, <laughs> Cal, for Cal for Cal you know oh, and, TJ, and Justin Wilcox throw... I was peeking that like there's some odds out there that like Wilcox is like you know it is Cal so they're not really as like irrational as Auburn in terms of firing their head coach but his like his odds towards getting canned are not not low. Yeah, I mean, he, um, you know, the interesting, I, I found that interesting. I think ultimately, TJ, he just didn't, you know, for, for lack of better terms, I didn't think he wanted the Oregon smoke. You're going to get left alone to kind of do what you want at Cal because academics are the most important thing. Kind of like, like being mediocre. And, you know, you bring enough people, like, you know, attendance, you know, obviously does some things. But if you're respect, like if you're respected within the organization, I think you're going to be left alone at Cal. But uh-huh. very surprising, TJ. And I remember being kind of surprised because, you know, Justin Wilcox, a five four one guy, grew up in Junction City. I'm pretty sure most of his family is still here in this Northwest footprint. So I just think he didn't want to have Phil Knight breathing down his neck. And I don't blame him. Just in, it's just interesting because I'm just like looking at all this stuff with Cal, reading all this stuff about Cal. I mean, there's just so much frustration about yeah. about the Cal program, and yeah. I think I have the art this article pulled up here. Let's read like this, like this, just this blurb here at the bottom, right? Um, yeah. By the way, if we're just going to talk about Cal athletics in general, their basketball team lost to UC Davis this week. Oh. Uh, I think on Monday. Regardless, Man, so rough. just the state of like let's, sort of let's make a rough it, week for Cal athletics a little rougher. I like <laughs> yeah, it. just like, I like it. Just kind of like it just seems to be a lot of like frustration amongst you know a lot of the fan base. Cal still believes in the outdated notion that revenue sports must be judged on its academics to placate the faculty that run the university. That's not how things work in college athletics. Until, right. until Cal figures things out, we need luck to stumble into success. So I thought that was very telling and yeah. sort of. I guess reflects you know, their uh, their yeah. outcome of, of of how they've been in the Justin Wilcox era, which again, it's just sort of this mediocre product year yeah. after year I, after year. Yeah, I I would tend to agree with you. Um, the only thing that gives me pause is when we go back to the, our podcast we did previewing Stanford, TJ. I think unlike any other two programs in America, no one were hit as hard by COVID regulations than right. Cal and Stanford. Berkeley County was the epicenter of extreme caution when it came to COVID. Like, I remember the thing where they said, you know, a, a student couldn't ride their bike through campus on, on Stanford without, right. you know, either having a mask or, or whatever it was. You know, again, I don't judge. It's all, you know, everyone can make their own choices and all that. But the impact on their football program is something I think that's tangible. And I just think, you know, David Shaw, we talked about him. David Shaw, I don't think, forgot how to coach football. And Justin Wilcox, I, you know, like you said, the losing record thing is interesting, but he's always had Cal very competitive, even right. though maybe they didn't get the win. So I still think Justin Wilcox is a good coach. I just think for whatever reason, those two schools, their administrations were like, football? Yeah. yeah no. I don't and that's know. What I, don't, I mean, that, yeah, that's kind of that's the feeling what it seems I like. That's the feeling. That's what it seems like. It's like it's it's just like kind of hard to judge. But then you like watch Stanford this last weekend, and they just got boat raced by a mediocre Washington State team. Like yeah. Washington State team's nothing special. They are, might go to a bowl game, win six games, right? But otherwise, I mean, you just look. It's like yeah. And yeah. the same thing with Cal, right? They've been competitive ish, but you but know, you think 
with Cal, TJ, I mean, how much how much did that loss to Colorado, giving Colorado their only win of the year, I think that derailed everything. Because you look, Cal has lost, including that game, four straight since losing that game to Colorado in overtime. After starting the year three and two with wins over UC Davis, UNLV, Arizona, and took Notre Dame, who just beat Clemson, to the wire and nearly had a shot in that game. So I think, respectfully, you know, I think Cal showed a little bit of life last weekend against USC. But I think that game against Colorado, when they gave the Buffs their only win of the year, I just think that that broke this team this year. Right, yeah. Maybe and... not entirely because they showed some fight, but I just think that set them on a path that is not recoverable. So they've lost five yeah. in a row. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they... – they're like remarkably bad in one score games. There's another note from the article. I was reading that blurb on the bottom at yeah. the top. You know, they're zero and eight in the last two seasons and one score games against power now, five see, opponents. That I believe. I remember. Yeah, that I believe. Yeah, though that that's that really sense. bad. Yeah, that's, that's terrible. Just the, that, the, the execution in close games that comes down to coaching sometimes. Right. Right. And, you know, we talk about, you know, um, NFL coaches all the time who, you know, the execution parts of it that, you know, end up getting canned or what have you. So, you know, to the game itself, though, Cal's a weird program, TJ, but what are your kind of expectations in this game as far as like, you know, do do you kind of agree that that quarterback versus Cal's defense is going to be the matchup that defines this game, you know, or do you see it somewhere else? I mean, I, I see it kind of like last week. If Oregon State can get better quarterback play, and then run the ball against you know UW had a good defense, good run defense. They ran the ball against them. Cal has a good re- run defense. I think they can run, but they're going to have to hit some passes, or this is going to be closer than you think. Because Jack Plummer, as a Purdue quarterback last year, threw for three hundred and some yards on this secondary, so he's familiar with almost all those guys. Oregon State's trotting out there. So if Oregon State goes out there and thinks that you know Cal's just going to roll over, I think they could be in for a surprise. So. This is a game where you have to put, you know, Ben into positions he can succeed if he's your quarterback under center. Or if it's chance, you can take the, you know, take the guards off and get back to what you were doing. But you uh-huh. gotta hit some passing touchdowns in this yeah, one. You do. I, I, yeah, I, I you... think that that's everything in this game. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, it's just, like you mentioned, the worst past events in the Pac twelve. I think that that is where that's where things that's where you like need to attack because you you know like you said you're gonna have to you can you're gonna be able to run the ball on most teams no matter what maybe it won't be as as big you know chunk plays but you'll be able to run the ball regardless so this game again back at home friendly confines is where you want to see that like growth out of ben goldbranson he faced crummy colorado and looked great i mean he did he was dropping back you're noting as like He's thrown some dots today. It's like yeah. we're impressed. Fair enough. Fair enough. Through yeah. one interception, true. I think that got called back. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, really, you know, threw the ball down the field nicely, and I think he'll have the opportunity again to do that on Saturday. I'm a little curious that it's a two touchdown spread. That's a little. Yeah. That's interesting. I think the you know, spread's 14. The total's 49. Um. Yep. Look so at, yep, that'll be interesting. But you just you want to see a pulse out of Ben. You want to see it because it was his worst game as as By a collegiate far. quarterback in his four games. His cl- worst game as a collegiate quarterback on Friday. How do you bounce back from that? Are you do you let that play affect you into the next game, or are you right. brush it off and you look great in the next game because you know what you did Our, wrong and you know yeah. that in some better weather environments at home you'll play better. Right. So we'll 
We'll see. I think the Beavers are going to win on, on Saturday. I don't I do think Cal's very good, um, but you want to see something out of Ben because otherwise then you're sitting there like, okay, well, then next week we're going to go down to Tempe where, you know, that can be a dangerous trip for some teams sure. this time of year. Um, sure. You know, I remember a, a six-ranked Oregon team going down one there one in 2019 team, yeah. and I mean, losing their playoff hopes. I mean, hey, it's 40 degrees outside, man. Who doesn't want some Tempe weather right now? I'm just saying. Uh, I, I'm, fair, I'm, fair. If you want, I want to go back to school, right? I'm ready. I'm ready to go back and sit under a palm tree yeah. and yeah, catch yeah. some sunbeams. I'm with um, you. But yeah, I mean, that can be a, a dangerous place to go play nor- towards the end of the year for some like for some northern teams. Again, I remember when I was in school, my senior year, Oregon, number six yep. team in the country, went down there and lost. Yep. They lost their playoff hopes uh, on the second to last weekend of the season. By I note, this is that's normally the week where the SEC plays an FCS team. Well, and the Pac-12, you know, will send their yeah. best teams on the road to a hostile environment to go play. Uh, right. And then you're going to face the best team in the conference the next week in the Oregon Ducks. Right. Right? right. And if you don't see something at a bend against the worst pass defense in the Pac-12, you're like, I need Chance back. Chance that back. or do you just consider letting Tristan Jebbia finish out his senior season? I don't know. There was not a single Tristan Jebbia question asked on Monday in Monday's press conference. Not one. Yeah, I mean, I mean, here's the thing: is you know, we know we, Tristan Jebbia. You know what you get. We we we've, we've right. said you know I've said my thoughts on Tristan Jebbia and whatnot. But after last game, I think you have to ask: Is Ben giving you a better chance over Tristan? Again, Jonathan Smith, Brian Lindgren make, I think combined almost three million dollars to make that decision. TJ, so. You know, they they know, right, more than I do. So, you know, I'm, oh. I'm not a college quarterback coach or guru or head coach. So they know, and I I, I, gen, I tend to trust their line of thinking. But I, I do think it's curious because, you know, you look at that last game and, you know, like you said, Ben's either going to be able to bounce back or he's not. And I think, you know, that that's going to determine whether or not, like I said earlier in the podcast, Oregon State maybe gets one more win before the postseason or maybe puts mm-hmm. themselves in a position to get two and then maybe make that Oregon game competitive. So, you know, I I, I think Oregon State's going to have to get better quarterback play. Ben's going to have to show something. Chance's going to have to come back. One of the two, but that's definitely, I think, what's going to be the most important thing uh, at Reeser Stadium and then potentially in Tempe uh, the next week. So, yeah, it's going to be fascinating. going to be interesting to see uh, how all that shakes out. Uh, TJ, anything else uh, you wanted to add uh, on this edition of the podcast? Well, I, I think it'll be – an interesting matchup. I, I'm curious how Jack Plummer will look on the road. I mean, right. 400 yards is a big number, um, but USC's defense not great. Yeah. Um, so, and I know a lot of that was trailing by multiple scores throughout the second half. So that'll be uh, that'll be curious to see how he looks in a completely new offense from he did at Purdue last year, uh, right. and then on the road as opposed to at home um, and facing a new defensive coordinator for Oregon State. Completely, you know, different scheme and such uh, for for Jack Plummer on the other side. So that'll be curious to see. Um, yeah, otherwise, that's, uh, that's about all I got. It should be a fun weekend, though, at Reeser. I'll be there. You'll be there. Yeah, not, good, so deal. Good, deal. good deal. Good deal. It'll be good. Yeah, just got my credentials today. So we'll, uh, nice. we'll be nice and toasty in that press box. Standing out for media availability today. I've got to tell you, I miss summer already. I was oh. freezing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's freezing like, cold. Like, let me uh, let me tell you, TJ. The um, um, you know, we can we can use these last you know two minutes or so of the podcast to uh, get out all Brendan's frustration. Remember how I said it was going to be freezing at UW in the press box? It was. It was freezing, TJ. <laughs> no, that's my complaint of the day. That's <laughs> just kidding. But no, I mean it's. Uh, how was the I'm wind off ex- the lake? It must have been great. 
Yeah, I'm real excited to be back in the friendly confines of our press box with some heaters. So yep. not to be – I'm scared. Gosh, for all the fans that are going to be outside, man, you guys are the real MVPs, man. I, I, it's okay. <laughs> I, uh, You know, us reporters, we're a little soft sometimes, you know, when it comes Just to the uh, – when it comes to wanting to be comfy, cozy in places. But, no, I think it's going to be an awesome weekend uh, at Reeser Stadium. going to be great to see you out there, TJ. Make sure to uh, stay locked to beaversedge.com. Uh, we'll uh, definitely be uh, chit-chatting with TJ, and uh, it's going to be fun to uh, – uh, have you there uh, for the game, TJ? So I'm looking forward to it. It'll be good. Hopefully, it won't be too cold. Yeah. So th- th- those heaters will definitely be uh, be going full force. So again, uh, Beavers Edge will be there, bringing you live coverage of Oregon State Cal this weekend. Uh, best of luck to everybody who's going to be uh, commuting down, including myself, as uh, Oregon and Washington play at four, and Oregon State Cal play at six. That's not going to create tough. any kind of a mess on I five, right? So, um, yeah, that's going to be interesting uh, as well. We'll have fun doing that. I'm going to take my nice short commute to the stadium. Yeah, so any Beaver fans commuting down, uh, make sure to leave yourself plenty of time because there's going to be some some Eugene traffic and maybe even some Seattle traffic. So it'll be interesting to see how that that all comes together. But uh, definitely looking forward to bringing you guys uh, another weekend of coverage uh, from BeaversEdge.com. We'll be there live. We'll have, uh, obviously, in-game coverage and leading up um, post-game coverage. And then uh, leading up to the game, we'll obviously have our predictions. TJ still got his glowing record, as much as it uh, pains me to say out loud. <laughs> TJ is not in those projections, so we're going to have uh, some projections coming in. Uh, we'll have the injury report as well. Uh, back at home, uh, Dylan will have our visitor list. We'll see uh, who's uh, at research, checking out the game from the recruiting trail. So that'll be important as well. So keep it locked, beaversedge.com. It's the place to be for Oregon State coverage as your Beavers uh, look to finish out the season and get ready for whatever postseason uh, bowl game presents itself. Should be exciting last three weeks and sprint through the season. So, again, for TJ Matthewson, this is Brendan Slaughter signing off on this edition of the Edge Podcast.